into our subject. Um, I mentioned something in passing last week. I've mentioned it in, in homily and apparently it came up in a family and it caused some some issues in a family. I, none of your families. It wasn't one of you. They're not here. But when they come in, they'll be sitting there. Um, so, um, and it wasn't them that had the, it was uh, trying to explain it. So I was talking about the fact that um, in the passing about what well, remember we talked about large tradition large tea tradition small tea tradition and how I said that in some parishes people have adopted things that are actually not of the faith and one of the things I, I highlighted was um, sticking your hands up in the air to pray their father or holding hands to their father right so in way of um, addressing this we're all Mass going Catholics. So what I want us to do is let's go through Mass from the start and identify what Catholics are supposed to do. Okay? So we don't ring a bell, but <laughs> ring a bell for the start of Mass. Well, we do during the week. Ring a bell for the start of Mass. What are you supposed to do? Stand. Okay. Why are you standing? Yeah, you're standing because the, the person who functions in the place of Christ <coughs> is, is entering, right? So then we have a procession. The priest genuflects, he goes to reverence the altar. He then says, the Lord be with you. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> right. Are you supposed to go like this with your hands? No. No, you're not. Okay. I don't know why that started, but you're not. Generally speaking, Catholics, historically, during Mass, Adopt a position of what John just did of having your hands together, right? So then the priest says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what do we do? We bless ourselves, right? Then we, we move on to the priest does the, the collect, the gathering prayer. It's called the collect because it collects all of our intentions together. And then he finishes, then we sit down. Then we have the readings. And then we get to the, the, the Alleluia. And the Alleluia, generally speaking, in some places it's when the organ starts, some places it's when the priest stands. But what are we supposed to do? Stand. Stand. Why are we standing? Reverence. There is reverence, but why are, we, why are we standing? What are we standing in preparation for? The gospel. the gospel. And why do we stand for the gospel? Because it's God's word. Somebody said it. It's the word of Christ. It is closest thing to the real presence is the word of the Gospels. That's why we give it a, a very special place. So the priest goes and he says, 
the Lord be with you. Uh, are you supposed to then do that with your hands? No, no you're not. And, and with the Holy Spirit, thank you. And then he says, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to whoever. Then what do we do? Okay, right. So what are you supposed to, when you're doing the sign of the cross on your forehead and your lips and your heart, what are you supposed to be saying? That's it, Denise, louder. In our thoughts, on our lips. Yeah, may the words of the gospel be in, in my thoughts, on my lips, and in my heart. Right. It's actually, a, it's, a, it's a kind of revisiting of what we do at baptism. You know, at baptism, we, we have all those, that symbolism. Right. Then, um, the priest finishes, kisses the gospel. Why does he kiss the gospel? It's an act of reverence to the words of God. That's right. Then he preaches. Then um, when he finishes, he gets to the creed. And here is something that I personally am shocked by in this diocese. And maybe I don't remember it when I lived in other parts of the States. In the creed, what are you supposed to do at the start of the creed? Stand. Stand. Stand, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Yep. What are you supposed to do? Bow. Bow. Does everybody in the church do that? I don't know, but that's why I turn to bow to God himself. I know, because in other places, people have said to me, why are you doing that, Father? Which means I know that people are not doing it. So there are people, before I carry on, there are people doing this and doing this, but they're not actually doing a gesture you're supposed to do. I don't know how that came about, right? And I think it's rather peculiar. But anyway, so the creed, you're supposed to bow. I find it even odder. It's not as if I don't give a subtle hint, right? You know, wherever I am celebrating Mass, I go out. I mean, it's not, it's not as if I don't go. Come to the Lord and bow down. But I actually had an Alpina. I spoke to someone who was uh, younger than me who I noticed wasn't genuflecting. They were bowing. And I said, so why don't you genuflect? You've got a problem with your knees. Why are we supposed to? Well, we are, of course. We're supposed to genuflect if we physically can. If we can't physically, physically do it. Uh, I don't mean at the creed. I'm going back to just generally, you know, getting in and out of church and things. If you can't genuflect, you're supposed to give a profound bow. A profound bow is not this. You're right, Daniel. <laughs> that's not a profound bow a profound bow is this from the waist that's what, if you can't genuflect that's what you're supposed to do as you've all heard me talk about before you, there's nothing so humorous as seeing men curtsy in church <laughs> so you're not supposed to curtsy if you can't genuflect you're supposed to do a profound bow right. so get the end of the creed we then have the, the intercession prayers. And then we have the preparation of the gifts. <coughs> um, what are you supposed to be doing after the God bless them, the ushers come and collect? What are you supposed to be doing at Mass during that time? So you're sitting. What are you supposed to be doing? Singing. Reading the What's it called? The clues in what we're doing. Offertory. It's what are you supposed to be doing? I've, taught, I've, I've spoken to you multiple times about this. 
What are you supposed to do with the offer tree? What are you supposed to do with the offer tree? Offer You're supposed to offer what you've got to offer. So for yourself, for your health condition, right? For for some of you, it might be the fact that I'm blessed to be. John's a good example. Talented, right? You you offer these things to God. You lay these things. You lay these things spiritually on the altar. We've all got things that we can that we can offer. That's what's supposed to happen at the offer tree. You're not supposed to sit at the offer tree and think, I wonder if I could read the bulletin before he gets done, <laughs> or quick check of the text, or is this a good time to go to the toilet? Or you're supposed to in the offer tree be offering. It's an active thing. As you, you all know I've told you all this. You get a mass what you bring to it, you have to engage. And one of the ways you engage in mass is an awareness of what you're supposed to be doing at these times. That's the time where you offer what you have to offer. And if you don't have something to offer, then you're not preparing yourself properly for Mass. Because I know all of you enough to know you've all got things in your lives that you need to offer. So that's what you offer. It could even be, God grant me the grace to tolerate Father Scott's homilies. <laughs> well, it could be that. It could be my, my backside's killing me because he talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. Who do you think my knees feel? <laughs> I'm offering that up. Anyway, okay. So then we get to the offering of the gifts from the priest, and then we start the um, the preface. We stand at the preface. Um, again, at one point in the preface, I say, the Lord be with you. Does it say, are you supposed to go like that and with your spirit? No, you're not. Then we start the Eucharistic prayer. What are the two legitimate positions for Catholics to adopt during the Eucharistic prayer? Standing and kneeling. Standing and kneeling. Now, I have to say that I saw this in Italy and I saw it in southern France, but I haven't seen it anywhere else, including my own country. Um, you see, in, uh, particularly in Italy, some people will kneel, some people will stand. Unless they are physically unable to do one of those two, that's the only time they should they should um, sit. So we had mass in here, you know, when the floor was getting done. We had no kneelers. Some people knelt down, but the majority of people sat down. One person stood, Tom's wife, and I complimented her for that. It's not a case of, there are no kneelers so I can sit down. If there's no kneelers, then you're supposed to stand. Now, obviously, I didn't look up and go, you, what are you doing? <laughs> But this is part of me sharing with you. Why kneel and stand? Why are they the two options? Respect. Reverence and respect. Reverence and respect. That's right. The ultimate act of adoration, of course, is lying prostrate. Next to that is kneeling. That's why for 1,800 years, people knelt for communion because it was the encounter with Christ and the ultimate act of respect. You still can legitimately kneel for communion. You see it in some places, and, and actually there's someone in St. Monica who kneels for communion. But So then we get to the Our Father. When we get to the Our Father, what position does the priest adopt? The priest does this, because he's told to. If there's a deacon, the instructions in the Missal actually <laughs> specifically say the deacon has to put his hands together. So deacons are ordained. So I don't think it's a stretch to say the implication being that if a deacon's told he's not to do this, 
then nobody's to do it apart from the priest. That's not a stretch. I have no idea how this crawled into the, the Catholic Church. I could give you theories because there was a lot of things crept into the church from non-Catholic worship, but I have no idea where that came from. And I'm also, the one of the things that concerns me about it, and we'll talk about the, this in a second in regard to the Our Father and the Holding Hands thing. Um, one of the things that concerns me about it is, in the past where I have mentioned it, I have been confronted by people saying, how dare I say that? That's a very strange thing, that people will find that so offensive when I'm telling them you shouldn't do what you've not been asked to do by the church, when plenty of people, as I said about the creed, don't do this, when the church actually says you're supposed to do it. So, then we get to the, the sign of peace. What, is, what, is, what, does it, what does the priest say? Offer each other the sign of peace. Right. Not that. Do you know where this comes from? No, it doesn't. Where this comes from originally is in England, in medieval times, every man over the age of 14 in England had to be able to pull a U-bow and use these two fingers. Right? So when they fought the French, when the French caught them, they didn't kill the archers, they cut off these two fingers. So before battle, the taunting between the two sides, the English would do this, which turned into this. And if you know anything about Britain, you know that's a really bad thing to do. For those listening, I'm putting two fingers up at Daniel, because I reckon I could, reckon I could outrun him because there's furniture between us. So, so this became... This became, uh, uh, it went from this, I've got my two fingers, it went from that to this in Anglo-Saxon, right? Then during the war, Churchill used to have his cigar, if you remember, if you think about pictures you've seen of Churchill, Churchill never did this. Churchill always did this. To the Germans. <laughs> And then he was asked about it, and he said it was V for victory. Because <laughs> he was very clever, but he was not giving the Germans a V for victory. <laughs> he was passing on, he's, he's a, he was a great student of history, he was passing on that, um, that. So then in the 60s, because of the association with the Second World War, the peace movement in the 60s, who have obviously been so successful, <laughs> turned it around. A sign of peace for Catholics, there's nothing wrong with shaking hands, but you know where that comes from. That comes from, I don't have a sword in my hand. That's where the sign of peace comes from in the, in the Anglo world. A sign of, I mean, I, I'm not saying, that's not an offensive thing to do. It's just not that gesture of putting two fingers up like that. It's a secular gesture. The sign of peace in the Catholic Church is just to turn to someone and say, peace be with you. Historically, could you stand up for a second? Historically in Mass, it was only done between the priest and the deacon. And this is, this is how they would do it, the way I do it for the service. And then the, the deacon would give it to the altar servers, and then the deacon would turn to everybody and he would bow to them. He was giving them the peace that had come from the priest. When the idea of, um, when they were altering the Mass, I hate to use that expression, but when they were altering the Mass, they looked at three places where they would put the sign of peace. 
They talked about putting it at the confiture because, you know, we say, I confess to you, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> I personally think that would have been a great place to put it because then you're not just saying it, you're also then saying peace. The other place that they talked about doing it was the offertory. So you could offer peace to other people. But they went with the one that's there because that's where it is traditionally. But traditionally, it was what John and I just did. It was just a, a giving of peace like that. And so, what should not happen is, and I, it doesn't, it doesn't really happen here, and it's a danger of weekday masses, but, um, <laughs> but I've seen this in all sorts of places, where you say, off each other's side of peace, and people start going. That's not what should be going should be going on. It should be a case of turning around and saying to people, peace be with you or something like that. For couples to kiss is perfectly okay. For for families uh, to exchange the kiss of peace is perfectly okay. Um as long as that's not the only time you're doing it, because that's only if that's the only time that a husband and wife are kissing, then, then there's a problem, of course, right? It's not really, it's not not a thing. So then we get to communion. So what are the four legitimate ways to receive communion in the Catholic Church? They're all related. Kneeling, kneeling on the tongue, right? Which is the oldest one. Standing on standing on the tongue, yeah. Kneeling in the hand. hand, which you see very rarely, but it is legitimate. Standing, standing with the hand. Right. There are the four legitimate ways. When you receive communion in the hand, what are you supposed to be doing with your left hand? Now, what are you actually doing? You're making an offer. No. Close. Cross. No. Throwing. So you're, when you're receiving communion in the hand, your hand's supposed to be flat, right? As I've mentioned here before, you're making a throne, not a bucket seat, right? It's not a, like a, a Lamborghini bucket seat. It's supposed to be a, a, a throne. Now, obviously, Jackie's one. She can't use both hands. She can't use both hands. Right. That's obviously another. That this is, doesn't apply to people who've got who've got illness. Um, you're supposed to put your left hand out flat. Your right hand's underneath, and then when the priest says body of Christ, you say body of Christ, and then you step to the side, pick the Lord up, consume the Lord, and then head off. You're not supposed to say, if you say so, Father, or okay, or yes, or thank you, Father, or any of the above. The appropriate, the appropriate response is amen, because what is that amen actually saying? I believe. You're saying the creed, really. You're underlining, I believe this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God. Okay, John. I was just going to say what it, I thought you were supposed to say, amen. Yes. You take, sorry, did I not say that? No. No, okay, yes. So the appropriate answer is amen. Yes. Um, so what about the bowing and the genuflecting as they come? Well, so, so the original way, well, back a long time ago, for the very short period that they had communion in the hand, this is how it was done. You would have the priest going along and the deacon had a corporal and you would put your hands out. Put your hands out, please, John. Put your hands out. Then the deacon would put the corporal on your hands. Then the Lord was put on the corporal and then you went like that. 
Oh, that's it. Mm. Oh, no, you never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you never saw it because it was a thousand years ago. <laughs> it's back, it was back in the twelve. It's back in the twelve hundreds. No, but that's important to know because when people were messing about with the liturgy, they said in the past we used to have communion in the hand, and they adopted this way of doing it. It's not the way we did it because my hands are anointed for touching the Lord. Until we address the rather ramshackle way that people receive communion, we are never going to have a Eucharistic revival, right? Because as we behave, it's how we believe, right? I don't know how the bishops are going to address it, but if they don't address it, it's not going to be a thing. And I'll tell you what, I'm on this subject. The precious blood, which was only for about 150 years, the way that was done was the deacon had a chalice, and it was only in special occasions, Deacon had a chalice. The subdeacon had what's called a fistula, which is Latin for straw, that was made of silver or gold. And they came forward and held it like that, and people went. They never touched the chalice. And they stopped it because of plague. That's why they stopped it. Again, when people were messing about with the liturgy, they said, oh, in the past we used to do this, but not the way that we're doing it now. And we suffered this from this in COVID. That d- disease was spread. Contrary to what people think, disease can get spread through, through chalices. And it did happen. There's, there's proof of that having happened. Anyway, so, communion. Then, once you receive communion, it's time to go for breakfast. <laughs> okay, I'm still going back to uh, as we're coming up, there's many. Oh, yes, sorry, yes, sorry, right, right. So, the initial waves that we had described when they first introduced communion in the hand, which in this country was a gross act of disobedience. Cardinal Bernadine lied to Paul VI and said that the people in this country wanted it and they took it to a vote for the Bishop's Council and they lost. And that's when. Terrible things were, were done. And the Dutch bishops started communion in the hand without permission. And Paul VI, these letters exist. Paul VI wrote to Cardinal Bernadine in Chicago and said, if it started, then stop it. These were gross acts of disobedience that were done. Um, anyway, we live in a different world now. But, so the way it was that you come up and you throw in with your left hand, right hand underneath, body of Christ, amen, you sat to the side, you consumed, you blessed yourself, and went off. In the 90s, the American bishops realized that that wasn't a very respectful way to receive God who made you. So they started encouraging people to bow or make some act of reverence, but they never gave proper guidelines. So that's why you might be walking up, you're ready to bow, and somebody in front of you goes right down. And you're like, Whoa! <laughs> But some act of reverence is supposed to be given before beforehand. Um, that's why that's why you see such a mixture of it, Kitty. That they never they just said in an act of reverence. It's like um, not eating uh, meat on a Friday. In 1963, when the American bishops decided that they would not have, um, they would release people from eating uh, meat on a Friday. They said at the time but you've still to do some act of charity and it would be good if you carried on eating only fish or you know, not eating meat on Fridays because 
it identifies us and it reminds us of what the Saviour did um, on on a Friday. So I remember you, I'm sure you all remember being taught that. No, you don't. But it's there. In fact, I was I was giving a talk on actually a subject like this, and I mentioned how what the, the bishops of America had said at the time. And a priest was there, who is now dead, but he was in his 70s, and he said, I don't think that's right, Scott, but I had the document. And I showed it to him, and he went, well, that's the first time I've seen that. And he was a priest, a seminarian at the time. Because it's all very well for you to say, do some kind of act of right. No, you know, if John comes to me in confession, right, and I say, I'll do some kind of penance, he's not going to go out and say the Athanasian Creed. Right? But he might go and do something that's more radical than I would have asked him to do. Or he might go and do something that's a lot less. That's why the priest is the responsibility of guiding people in this. If you say to people, oh, just do this. Just do something. You know, just do something. Many people go for the lowest common denominator. And any of you who are teachers know that. He said to the kids, read part of such and such a book. Right, that doesn't mean read a chapter. That means part. That could be a paragraph, right? So, um, but that's 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 why that's the, the case, Kitty. Right. So, then after communion, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to do some act of thanksgiving. Now, are you only supposed to kneel until the priest locks the tabernacle? No, no. No, but many places you go in the States, as soon as people hear clang, <laughs> and I was told that by a priest, that's how long people are supposed to kneel. That is just nonsense. Can you imagine me going up the stairs and going, ah, oh, you know me? <laughs> maybe, 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 should I, should I, should I? Nah. <laughs> Some act of thanksgiving is supposed to be, to, be, to be made. Now, some of you will have been places, this is a personal thing for me, some of you will have been places where the priest doesn't clean the vessels and things during Mass. He puts them on the, the, the side table because he wants to get on with Mass. Right? I deliberately take my time cleaning the vessels and things because, and nobody's really to blame for this, but certainly for many of us growing up, when Mass finished, there would have been silence. People had got on their knees when the hymns finished and spent time praying before they departed. We've kind of lost that. In fact, if you go somewhere, if you go somewhere like where the older form of the Mass is, where it generally is still the case, and as a priest, and um, you finish Mass and you're standing at the back and you're thinking, They've all gone out another door. My homily must have been really bad. <laughs> but, that, but that's not what's happening. They're making an act of thanksgiving. <coughs> so the way I, so it wouldn't bother me as a priest, the way I deal with that, for all of uh, your sakes, is I, I take my time cleaning my vessels and things like that because that gives people a time of thanksgiving rather than boom, 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 boom. Um, how long? Um, Traditionally, are we told that the Lord remains <coughs> remains pre- present in our stomachs? No, you ever told that? About 15 minutes, I say. 15, 15 minutes. 
Yeah. So that's why it used to be that there would be delayed Thanksgiving, stuff like that. You wouldn't see people bolting out of church to try to get across there to, to get a coffee down them. I'm not saying anybody's doing that. I actually don't think there is anybody doing that. But 15 minutes is supposed to be the, the period of time. Then, you have the closing prayer. Um, there actually is nothing in the missile about when announcements are supposed to take place. So, you know, sometimes people have announcements before Mass. Sometimes people have announcements after the homily. Sometimes people have announcements when we have them. Some people don't have announcements at all because they think, if you're given a bulletin, then you don't need to... There's no church rules about that. I would say, from personal experience, the announcements happening before Mass is not often a good idea because... And this is across the board, every country I've lived in. The majority of people start arriving <laughs> right on time. So if someone stood up and, and said, and we're not having Mass for the next 14 weeks, most many people won't hear that. <laughs> right, they, they, they come in. But there's no set way for that. Um, the way we do it is probably as good as any, but the reason why there's no set way for that is because it's actually not part of the Mass. Like it used to be the homily wasn't part of the Mass. If you're old enough to remember, what used to happen was um, when the priest <coughs> finished the gospel, he would take off his maniple, which um, you don't see now, but he would take off his maniple, kiss his maniple, lay over the book of the gospels, and then go and preach. And Or some places, some countries, he would take off his chasuble, lay on the altar and go, because the homily, people were encouraged not to confuse what is coming out of this mouth with what is coming out of Christ. And we all know, because we've all lived through this, and, and I could well be guilty of it as well, um, that that reminder is important. That the, the priest is supposed to catechize and unfold the faith for people. He, he's not um, supposed to stand up and talk about politics, as difficult as that can be, because there's a whole overlap. You know, that's why we talk about large P politics, small P politics, because politics do affect the faithful. That is much easier to be a priest in a monastery. Because in a monastery you don't need to worry about the outside world. You're speaking to the, the, other, the other monks. You just need to worry about the people who eat with their mouth open or pick their nose, you know. <laughs> you can yeah. preach at them. <laughs> don't do that, it's not godly. Right, then... The, the, the priest gives the final blessing, but it's not really a final blessing. What is it? I talked about it uh, at, least, at least two of the Masses, I think, at the weekend. What is it? What's actually going on at the end of Mass? Telling people to go out and preach. What's it called, though, Sandy? Yeah. Pardon? What's it called? Oh. We have a name for it. When I say it, you'll kick yourself. Evangelize. Evangelize. That's what we're tasked to do, but what's the action that the priest is, does at the end of Mass? What is it? Dismissal? No. Then he mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioning. So the Great the Commission is when Jesus said, said go baptise all people in the name of the Father and Son, teach all nations. It's the Great Commissioning. That's why it's important that people stay to the end because the commissioning is done in the name of the Trinity. That's, what the, that's what's going on with the final blessing. That commissioning is to evangelise. That is by how we live and perhaps how we die and certainly what we say. 
that's what we are called to do because we get fed at Mass in order to go work in the vineyard. And that's what happens at, at Mass. Um, collections, just while I'm on that subject. So, collections, I like announcements. They're actually not part of the Mass. And um, what used to happen in the older form of the Mass was it would just it would, it would happen during the offertory and it was all done very very quietly but in some places it happened after communion in some countries and things like that so you know with us we don't tithe you all know what tithing is right tithing it's given 10% of your earnings can you imagine how wealthy this parish would be if, if I got 10% off of everybody I'd be in Barbados with John <laughs> like you sitting down in front um, we don't tithe We've never tithed. The Jews tithed. Many Protestant churches tithed. In fact, people tell me that some of the mega churches, um, they have a QR code when you go in and you scan your phone. And if you've not given for a couple of weeks, you get a phone call saying, uh, if you don't give, you're not considered part of the church. Um, yet... You've probably, you will all have noticed this. You might never have thought of this, but you've probably all experienced this. See, when you meet ex people who claim to be ex Catholics, right? You know, there's no such thing. But people who don't practice the faith and they've gone to Protestant churches. See, if you say to them, why did you stop? They nearly always say, because all they ever ask for is money. <laughs> but that is not true of us. But if you want to give me money, I'm not. <laughs> Michael, you want to write me a check? It's L-A-W-L-E-R. Okay. Good luck. He doesn't look as if he's going to do it either. So, right, going back to the other father. He's kidding. So what is wrong? What is wrong with um, holding hands at the our father? Now, I was asked by somebody, not here, but in another place, um, is that sinful? This is after I'd said about the church doesn't ask you to do it, so you really shouldn't do it. Then the person said, is it sinful? And I said, for you it is now. Because <laughs> you're looking for a way to get around it. Now, when we're at Mass, is Mass a horizontal action or a vertical action? Horizontal or vertical? Or horizontal. Well, say I'm testing you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I would get that wrong. I actually suffer from dyslexia. No, I do. I do actually suffer from dyslexia. So, is it a, a horizontal? Or is it vertical? Which is what's mass? Yeah. What's happening at mass? If you were going to describe mass in one word, so the two words that you could definitely pick that would cover it. If you were going to pick uh, one word to describe Mass, what would you say? Uplifting. Okay, well, uplifting, but... Sacrifice. Yeah, okay, that's one I didn't thought of. Yeah, you definitely could. Offering. But, but what, is, what is a sacrifice? The sacrifice is Christ. No, what, what is a sacrifice? What is that, an action? Giving up. To give up something. So, it's not, right, so the two words yeah. you could use is thanksgiving, okay. right, which is what Eucharist means, or adoration. Right? They're both really nothing wrong with uplifting, nothing wrong with the other ones you said. But it's an act of adoration. So an act of adoration 
Is that horizontal or is that vertical? Of course, it's vertical. It's an act of adoration. So the Our Father, if everybody in the congregation is holding hands, is that horizontal or is that vertical? It's horizontal. That's why the church doesn't have that. The church doesn't have actions that can be misinterpreted. So, the family, we're having the discussion about this. They, as a family, hold hands. Right, so, imagine we're a family, right? And we're in the pew together, right? And it gets to the Our Father, so I'm sitting there. And we hold hands for paying the Our Father. But the only other person in the pew is Mike, and we don't hold his hand. Does that seem like a Catholic thing to do? We have excluded him. Now, we haven't looked at each other and said, who the hell's he? Right? We haven't done that. We're well-intended. But how does that necessarily make him feel? And the problem with those kind of things is, if you see this in a parish, and I've seen this, I've seen this, I'm going to name them, because I hope they haven't started it again, in Roscommon, before COVID, they would try and force people to hold hands. Now, there's a, there's a blog that used to exist called um, Crossing the Tiger, right, as opposed to Crossing the Tiber. Crossing the Tiber is, a, is an, a, a, a way of talking about conversion, right? This is a, a Catholic parody. It's a bit like the Babylon Bee, right? And they had this great one years ago. And it was, uh, it was an old man. It was like, it looks like he was from the Appalachians somewhere. It's an old man sitting in his porch with a shotgun. <laughs> and it said, Man cold cocks, other man during mass. And there's a quote from him. I don't care who he is, even if he's my own son, he ain't holding my hands during mass. <laughs> but the idea of excluding people, that's not Catholic. What does the word Catholic mean? Universal. Universal. Excluding people by these actions. That's why the church doesn't have those kind of actions. That's why the actions at mass are really relatively simple. You know, they're very simple, really. The, 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 and, and it seems peculiar to me that the, the bowing at the creed is one that's, that is relatively rare for, for people to do that. You think about the words we're bowing at. But that's the, the problem with, with, with that, that it's exclusionary. It also theologically, liturgically doesn't send the right message um, because it's not about us. It's an act of adoration. We do it as a community. We certainly do. But as a community, not as selective parts within a, a community. Um, another, I'll give you another example of something. I, I don't know if any of you have ever come across this. Um, I did. And I have to say, I'd read about it. But I, uh, when I experienced it, saw it happen, uh, I was appalled by it. If any of you have ever been to a church where the priest says things like, Body of Christ, John. Body of Christ, Lord. Have you ever been there? Yes. Right. That is so not right. That, that is, in fact, goosebumps. That is so appalling. It is a disgraceful thing to do. You think about when you're on the line, right? And, uh, and uh, the priest is saying, Body of Christ, Jackie. Body of Christ, Phyllis. Body of Christ, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> Talk about excluding people. Yeah. What? Or, oh, body of Christ, child of God. 
all these things, these novelties that, that uh, priests wanted to add and, and squeeze in and things like that, there's no place for them. Our, our liturgy is really quite simple. We're made by God. We belong to God. We owe him so much. We go voluntarily to church to adore him. And what do we get in return? We get him. We don't need novelty. What we need is clear understanding. What we need is people to understand what they're, what they're doing. It's just so bizarre that you get the like, um, priests who change the words of things. As you, as you all know, I've told you before, sacraments don't belong to the priest. Sacraments belong to Jesus. They belong to the Holy Mother Church, but they belong, because he is, of course, we are the body of Christ, they belong to Jesus. It's not okay for me to say, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Um, the God, the, the, a reading from the gospel written down by, by St. Luke. That's not okay for me to say. Now, you might think, well, what's the harm in it? It's like doing this with your hands. For the, the harm in it is, if you're obedient in small things, it's like venial sin. You know, you don't need to confess venial sin. Receiving a worthy communion will release you of your venial sins, right? Saying a good, heartfelt act of contrition release you of your venial sins. But if you don't regularly go to confession, your venial sins can build up, because likelihood is you're not doing these other things. Your venial sins can build up, so it makes it easier for you to commit mortal sins. Obedience in small things usually leads to obedience in large things. That's really important, and it's an important thing for us to, to bear in mind. Um, I... We had, right up until, I think he died before COVID, but he was up in kind of Petoskey area somewhere. We had a priest who was having general absolution. Now, that was a problem in Michigan, right? That's not a thing. Only very limited ex um, um, circumstances. And the limited circumstances are this. If I saw an 18-wheeler coming down that hill by my house, coming right towards us, I could shout, are you all sorry for your sins? You all shout back, yes. And I say, I forgive you your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And all your sins will be forgiven. That's general absolution. I don't need to hear them. This is a circumstance. Same thing could happen in a plane. I could be in a plane. I've been on planes in the past where I was in a plane where the plane dropped so much the oxygen stuff came out because people started screaming and stuff like that. And I was, I wasn't a priest at the time, but my, I tell you, the act of contrition was right out. <laughs> <laughs> right out. Oh my God. But the thing is, if you survive after those circumstances, if you survive, you then have to go as soon as you can to personal confession with the priest. So anybody who went to any of those services by that priest, their sins were not forgiven them at all. Not at all. It's like the baptism I said about the weekend about baptizing the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, the Advocate. Those people are not baptized. There is a thing called Ecclesia Suplex. It's Latin for the church provides. So if, if somebody comes up to me and says, Father, could you bless us? And I go, even if I don't intend it, the church, that will be a blessing because the person has sought a blessing. Right? And the sort of blessing, blessing from somebody can give a blessing. But the church doesn't provide for what is missing 
in sacraments like that. Um, my brother Mark, <coughs> not long after he was ordained, imagine this happening to you, and he was asked to go and help out in a parish, and he got into the sacristy, and um, all the boxes of wine were Perry, not Perrier, but Perry. Do you all know what Perry is? P-E-R-R-Y. That's pear wine, right? Pear wine, it's called Perry. That's its fancy name, it's like apple cider, it's like, it's pear wine. Everything was Perry. And he said to the sacristan, where's the altar wine, where's the wine? And the sacristan said, this is what Father uses. That man had been there, I think it was seven years, no mass had been valid in that time. In California, there were places, and here in Michigan, where they were making their own bread. Not unleavened bread, they were making their own bread. In fact, in one place in Detroit, um, copying something that happened in California, they had a tear-off strip on the bulletin where you could tick what kind of bread, and then the majority of people who ticked what kind of bread, that's what they had for communion. And the priest would break it up and people would get a little chunk. That's not valid matter. For, for a sacrament to take place, there has to be form and matter. So that's the words. And the matter is, like, to be baptised in the Catholic Church, you have to be a non-baptised individual. Right? To be married in the Catholic Church, you have to be a man and woman who have not previously been engaged in a marriage, if it's not been annulled. Right? Um, that's why we will never be able to have same-sex marriage, because it's not valid matter. Um, so, um, my brother got there and um, they had no wine. And so my brother, luckily there was, uh, we call them off-license party store across the road. My brother, in his alb, walked across <laughs> to the store and said to the Indian man on the store, you got any red wine? Uh, and he said, oh yes, father. And he said, okay, I'll be back after mass to pay. Took it and had mass. It's not the ideal way to get altar wine, because altar wine is supposed to be a certain level of sulfites <coughs> and things like that. But that shows you the dangers. Now these are all real things. These are things that have that have happened. These are things that have happened. Some of you have seen these things in your own lives. That's why it's so important that we know our faith. Now, I can tell you, again from personal experience. Approaching a priest to try to point out to him that he's done something wrong doesn't usually go down well. But the first thing you should always do is point it out to a priest. So if you're at a church and they don't have candles and they've got oil things, you could always email the priest and say, you know, that's not allowed. The priest that was here before me, Father Patrick, didn't know that. I don't know how he didn't know it, but he didn't know it. Because when I came to visit him when I was assigned to it, about this time last year, and I saw what, what we had, I said, that's not allowed. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, absolutely not allowed. Now, I've explained to all of you multiple times about why candles are important. When you get that understanding, you see, I mean, there's actual candles. Candles are beautiful things to us. When you understand that they symbolize Our Lady carrying, carrying uh, Christ, but that, that, it's really important, and if, you've, if you have, any of you have listened to my, some of my older podcasts when I went through the sacraments, there are times you think, you might think I ranted this evening, because we're nearly getting close to the end of time. 
I went off many times. In fact, there was a lot of heavy editing because sometimes words came out of my mouth that um, Nick, my editor, decided was probably not a good thing for me because I started naming priests who did these things because the faithful don't get a response. And one of the things that I've found, and I've, my brothers have found this too, that bishops will speak to orthodox priests like when I was in Alpina, somebody who worked for the diocese, who no longer works for the diocese, um, phoned up Bishop Raker and said that I said at Mass, it was a Christmas Mass, there was loads of people there, and I said, if you don't normally come to Mass, you're in a state of mortal sin, more than likely, don't make it worse by coming to communion. And this person took great umbrage at this and phoned up Bishop Raker. Um, he, of course, agreed with me. But I happen to know that in a parish not that far away from Alpina, a priest said, um, whoever you are, come up and receive communion. Everybody's welcome, everybody's welcome. You know, doesn't matter if you know what to say or not, just come up. And people phoned and complained, and he was not spoken to. Because what is some, often as happens is, they will, they're, they're sad to say, bishops will speak to the orthodox priests, because they know that they are loyal. Whereas they are scared to say to the crazies, because the crazies might say, sue me. <laughs> and, and who suffers? Well, because the priest suffers himself. But more importantly, the faithful suffer. It's, it's not okay, it's never okay, for, for priests to just decide they're going to do what they, they find. See if, see if that's how you feel, Father. Go become a Protestant, because I believe many of their places, they make it up as they go along. But we can't. We are answerable to God. We've made vows of, of uh, obedience, and the books tell us what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to say. And it's really hurtful, and it's a betrayal to... It's a betrayal to Jesus, of course. But it's a betrayal to the, the, the faithful, if you don't. Whether people like the message or not is not my problem. My problem is if I don't offer it to you. That's my problem. Because I have to love you enough to be able to say and do things that might make you think he's a loony. Or why have I not heard that before? Or, or as somebody said to me once, um, sometimes the way you speak, it reminds me of when I was little, I thought we'd get rid of all that. <laughs> Unless, I'm, I mean, I don't think that the, the rapture has happened, right? That's a whole different conversation. We are the eternal Catholic Church. We have not changed what we teach. What we teach as we go through the early parts of history, when we eventually get there. So anyway, that was just going to be a, <laughs> a side thing, and we're nearly... Any, any questions about that? I have a question. Yes. All priests, do they go through the same teachings? Or are different seminaries? Can I tell you the question as well, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, right, how, how is it that someone okay, will go so, off script? So after the Reformation, right, probably after the Reformation, St. Charles Borromeo formed a manner in which priests were supposed to be trained. And it was all based on the teachings of St. Thomas Aquinas. <clears throat> Right. Had to know Greek, had to know Latin, had to have studied 
Catholic philosophy. Had to have studied the, the, the Summa. That's what's the big work of Thomas Aquinas. Right? That's still not been put into place in most places. 450 years later. Is there a reason why? Supernatural faith. People, a lot of clergy, a lot of bishops, a lot of people, and after all, they are just people, lack supernatural faith. So, if you don't have supernatural faith, you don't trust in God. And so, how do you pass it on? You can't, you can't, thing is, John, you can't give what you don't have, right? So, if I don't have the faith, how can I, how can I share it with you if I don't have the faith? Uh, then what I'm sharing is either stuff from a book, which always sounds shallow, right? Or what I perceive the faith to be, which usually you found out on that. Um, I did, of course, not practice the faith for a long time. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise anybody to do that, right? But what that meant was, for me, when I came back, I'm very clear in the faith. I one day want to meet all of you in heaven, right? I can do what I can do to try and get you there. But if I don't do that, I ain't getting, I'm not getting there. So I have selfish reasons for this as well. I'm motivated by a desire to get you all to heaven, but also with the awareness that if I don't, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. It's like you being a dad, right? As, as, a, as a parent, once you you the amount of people who you meet who have children and then think it's their parents' responsibility to look after their children. Right? That's a real thing now, you know that. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but you know, but, but you know that. You know that, that it's really strange. It's really, really peculiar the way that the people now want to hand off their children to their parents um, rather than uh, altering how they're supposed to, and people say, you know, like when I, when I worked, people would say to me, you've no idea how having a child changes your life, and I would think, a completely defenseless human being in the house, who needs you for absolutely everything, how could that not change your life? How is this the first time that you are thinking this through? But that's the thing, it's about, in our positions in life, adopting what we're supposed to do with, with the intent. Of course, the intent's always supposed to be, am I doing everything I can to get those in my charge to heaven? So if your task is for your children, your progeny, and things like that, as well as people you meet. But first of all, you're, you're, for me, it's everybody I meet. Not just my parishioners, but everybody I meet. One of the things about being assigned a pastor is you then become responsible for all the souls, all the souls within your parish not just the Catholics. God will ask you at some point, what did you do for other people who you've encountered? So, by the grace of God, I was brought up to be polite. So when I'm in the store, I'm always polite. I'm always dressed as a priest. Everywhere I go, I try to remember that I'm a Catholic priest. I need to make sure that people see what a Catholic priest is supposed to, how he's supposed to, how he's supposed to behave. Baylin said to me, would I ever go to the water park? And I said, no, it's not appropriate for a Catholic priest to go to the water park in where he's, where he's known. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, why not? And I said, because I'm never not a Catholic priest. One of, the, one of them is uh, some of the things that I notice on the altar that whenever uh, Jesus is said, there's always... 
the bowing of the head. And I was taught that by the Dominican nuns mm -hmm. in the catechism, but I don't see that. No. No, and you notice I bow my head, yes. right? And I, I, I believe, I believe Saint Paul says, "Every head shall bow, every knee shall bow." And yes, I don't know. I was brought up to do it, and I do it. Everything I do, everything I do, is to give an example to people who are watching. Everything, and I don't understand why people don't pick up on these things. Short of me saying, "If you notice that bow," it's not because I got a twitch. Because, you know, I do that with my fingers, right? Because I've touched the Lord. And somebody asked me in the parish, did I have something wrong with my hands? They hadn't worked out the connection, no pun intended, the connection between the fact that I'm extremely careful about what I do with my with the hand, my fingers that touch the Lord. We're just about to run out of time. Do you have a quick... Oh, I was just going to comment on John's. Remember the seminarian in the morning that <coughs> talking and after Mass, he said... You went to a different seminary than I did. That's right, because I knew more than he did. <laughs> but I did point out to him, it's actually because I'm a genius. <laughs> a misunderstood genius, but with still no, a genius. With no ego. <laughs> no. So let's... Uh, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and rekindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his constellation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, everyone. We'll get back on topic next week. Famous last words. <laughs>